0: Okay, class, today we're going to start with the basics. Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast where a new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. I'm Pastor Eric, and today on the podcast, we are continuing our conversation from last week's What is the Gospel, Part 7. My encouragement to you is to go ahead and listen to last week's episode, because this week's episode is picking up immediately after that conversation ended. So you can get some good stuff out of this conversation, but it's going to be even better if you go back and listen to last week's conversation and then continue on. In this week's conversation, we have a we have this amazing dialogue with my friends Paul and Daniel about God and about his love for us. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode of the New Life Lutheran podcast. Let's get growing.
1: There's there's sort of an undertone to this chapter that I sh- struggled with. Mm-hmm. There is a great deal of I don't, know, I don't want to say emotion or heart behind oh. that whole narrative, and um, and maybe maybe it was just my reading of the chapter, but in may, or maybe it's N. T. Wright's style because the English writing styles a lot of times they're like polite Vulcans.
0: yeah Yeah. right on um but he talked
1: about he talked a lot about intellectual power Mm -hmm. and it takes a great deal of intellectual power to understand a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. and um i think he says it twice in the chapter and something you said um eric was that when when The gospel was presented to Paul there was like this light switch that sort of flipped Mm -hmm. for him and he saw things new it makes me think of the beginning of proverbs where it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge Mm -hmm. or or wisdom and that you can't really know or understand things unless you have unless unless your heart is properly oriented towards god your ability Mm -hmm. to know things is severely limited Mm. and um and I think there's a sense of this misview of God that has a lot less to do with our the intellectual side of our philosophies and more to do with the directions that our hearts are pointed. And, that was the, and he didn't really talk about that in the chapter. He kind of you know, really stayed on the intellectual side of things.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um,
1: but as I was kind of thinking about this, I was kind of thinking, it doesn't matter how much you think about it. Unless your heart is oriented towards
2: towards God,
0: I'm not sure I read or no, I, I didn't notice that emphasis. Do you notice that, Daniel?
2: Full disclosure: I read this 30 minutes before we started. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I didn't notice a lot of subtext. I I,
0: I will say, Paul. Now that you mention that, now that you mention it, um, he does spend a lot of time dealing with um, like philosophy. And Mm -hmm. referencing philosophers in this passage like it does like are this in this chapter like it does seem like he's really dealing with how we think about God and and I
1: don't and I don't think that's a bad thing I think certainly we should address the philosophies of the day but I think to chalk it up to a philosophical issue um, is is a little bit misleading because it because My at at the end of the day, I think that my we would like to think that we're super intellectual and that we will lead we you know we will go wherever the facts take us. Yeah. But the reality is is that we can do a lot of gymnastics if our hearts are not oriented in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think that you're right. And I whenever I whenever I have this kind of conversation and someone's really emphasizing thinking correctly, I just remind them that there are more. nervous system activity in our stomachs than in our brains (laughs) like like our stomachs our stomachs control the way that we think more than our brain matter does uh because there's more more nerve endings more activity there Uh, so biologically we are not we are definitely not centered around our craniums Uh, that is not that is not the center of our being by any stretch of the imagination yeah you know and, and from a lutheran perspective um which I guess I'd be interested to hear what you guys think when it comes to that. Uh, the the issue is not an intellectual ascent um, or an emotional ascent, um, which I think is what you, what you're getting at is is that it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual issue that you you are we we are spiritually dead, we are unable, actually unable to have faith in God, and unless the word of the Spirit is given by the Word of God. Uh, So that's Romans uh, 10. How can they believe if they have not heard? How can they heard if they have not had a preacher? Uh, That there needs to be somebody who, not a preacher as in like a pastor, Mm -hmm. proclaiming on a Sunday morning. But unless somebody actually presents them with the gospel, they are spiritually dead. And then when there's a presentation of the gospel, Jesus freely gives you, Um, eternal life and forgiveness of your sins like unless that gospel is presented to somebody um, they are actually unable to respond to it that that is the gospel that awakens them Um, and then of course in a in a in the lutheran framework that that's resistible you can say no you can say no to it Um, but that's how faith is actually given to the person faith is a gift as well as salvation faith is given by the proclamation uh, which i think is what i see in, in in paul's story he meets jesus and then ananias comes and proclaims the gospel to him and that's when the that's when the scales are lifted off his eyes both literally and spiritually and he can see for the first time uh the god of the old testament um accurately so that's i mean that that that's my response i don't know if that is are you thinking more spiritual like that is that kind of what you were thinking
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know that I was going to take it into um, point four of Calvinism. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that, that essentially. Yeah, we are spiritually dead, and right. and but I we're don't doing think
0: point one and point four. Yeah, <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't think we are. We are capable of thinking properly about it without God's help. Mm-hmm. So, so the so to the degree. So and then from, from your Lutheran perspective, I think the degree is a little bit different. So I from a maybe a uh, Calvinist perspective, you'd say you're not capable period and you God has to do reveal all of it and make you come to him um, which is not not actually what Calvinism teaches, right. but that's that's sort of at least what I think most people think. And then on the other side, you're kind of saying um, that, uh, he has to make sort of that first that first yeah. move, and then it's up to you whether you accept it. Oh or not, well, right?
0: yeah. Well, faith. Well, faith is no. So it's it's monergism that God does absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to he has to give faith in order for you to even have it, mm-hmm. and that's given through the, through the proclamation of the word. Um, now the grace of God, the way that He gives that faith is. Is resistible, so from the Lutheran, we're we're just diving in deep, guys. If we're deep into the middle of this. From a Lutheran perspective, you can say you can't say no, you can't say yes without without the Spirit, without God's work. So God gives you the gift of yes, you yourself can say no. So we're kind of that's why that's why people sometimes say that Lutherans are halfway between. Calvinists and Arminians because you, you have the free will, you have will, but your will can only say no. And without God's gift, you cannot say yes. And God says yes for you. Faith is a gift. Um, That's kind of how, where the Lutherans draw the line, which doesn't make sense. Um, (laughs) I I might add like, like philosophically that doesn't make sense, Um, but that comes from a dogged, uh, doggedly clinging to scripture as scripture presents itself and that we can clearly see passages where God says that we are unable to say yes to him. Uh, but we can also see passages where men, where humans clearly say no to God and and ship, you know, they shipwreck their own faith. Um, Pharaoh says no before God hardens his heart. So we have, we, we kind of hold both. We hold both ends of the dog and we just shake it. Instead of letting the the way the, the the tail wag the dog, we just wag the dog from front and back. Um, well, and
1: the, I, I mean, ultimately, whichever position you you fall on. So, I mean, I'm I say that I probably more. I don't know if I can say reformed in the presence of a Lutheran because of the <laughs> typical vernacular, right? If someone says yeah, reformed, yeah, reformed, they usually yeah. don't
0: mean we 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 use reformed to talk about Calvinist theology, okay. like that. Like we use that term, yeah.
1: So, so what I have been saying uh, is that that's where I'm at right now, but let me read the Bible five or six more times and then,
0: yeah. and, then and then you'll get the Lutheran and then get back to you. <laughs> um,
1: but the, I think, you know, as you look at those sort of three places, three, I don't know how to call them hard lines. The question is really more, where do you want the paradox to be? Right. Because there's going to be a, there's going to be a paradox. Yeah in that yeah. because yeah. we're not God <laughs> right. we can't, right. at the end of the day. And, and, and I think the thing that we should, we should focus on more is now certainly there are real world implications on how you bear out some of those things. And so sure. I'm not going to say there aren't differences, Right, but what we can unify around is, um, it is, it is God, in his grace that it yeah. saves us and right. it's not me right. or anything that I can do yeah. to save yeah. myself. And as long as we can agree on that, yeah, it really doesn't matter which camp you fall into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I will say that like, you know, growing up as a Methodist, as a Wesleyan Methodist, like Wesley's there too. Like, as, like, as far as you saying that Wesley's there mm-hmm. too, it just, again, all falls on where you're going to, where, where are you going to place the mystery yeah. Um, are you going to place the mystery in God's decrees? Are you going to place the mystery within, um, from a Lutheran perspective, the means of grace—the preaching of the gospel, the sacrament of communion, the sacrament of baptism—that's where we kind of place the paradox and the mystery. Or are you going to place the mystery in how God operates in the human heart, which is kind of where Wesley and Wesleyanism would would um, land—is that that's where the mystery happens? Um, we don't we can't peek into everybody's heart, but we know that something happens there, that somebody from within is drawn. So yeah, I think that, that you're right, Paul.
2: No, I, I was going to go back to, um, you know, that discussion of where you put the mystery, right? Yeah. Ultimately, that kind of derives from the fact that we cannot comprehend God in his totality. Right. Right, that there is, there is there are things that we can even if they could be understood about God, we cannot hold them in our finite minds at the mm-hmm. same time as everything right. else. Right. Um, there's just not enough room. Yeah. And, you know, that's a point that N.T. Wright makes in this chapter a couple of different times.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: that if, I think he says something like, um, if we ever get to the point where we see, say, now there's a God you can believe in, yeah. we know we've just created an idol. Yeah, yeah. Because, you you know, that is our tendency is to, um, if we approach God from any of those major um, theological traditions and say, okay, I know that Lutheranism or Calvinism or Wesleyanism or Arminianism or whatever it is, I know Mm -hmm. that that's true, and therefore I'm going to approach God through that lens, Mm -hmm. we end up. You know, we cr- and then we find out. Oh, yes, this is exactly this is the God that I was expecting to find. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We have missed something. Yeah, because there is something dangerous and unsafe about right. God, right. and any of those major traditions can get to a a large chunk of of what that that truth about God is, but to it is when we start claiming that nope, I've got it figured out. I I understand right. this. I've I've got God categorized um, that we we run the danger of, you know, just kind of creating something that confirms our own biases, confirms the things we want to believe, and right. does not convict us of the things we probably should be convicted yeah. of.
1: Yeah, I like I like that. So for a for a long time I was Really, really, really hesitant to say. Well, I kind of, I kind of agree with, with, reform theology, because of a lot of the way that it was presented. Like now, you have to view the world as a Calvinist, mm. and and you have to be part of the Reformed Thug Life movement, and <laughs> you have to grow a
2: beard and start drinking craft beer immediately.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. and <laughs> um. And it was really more. That's sort of that's that there are there are turnoffs I think in all major positions Mm -hmm. from that perspective, Mm -hmm. where instead of arriving at your conclusion through the lens of scripture, you arrive through scripture, arrive at scripture from the lens of your perspective, your theological perspective. Mm -hmm. And so you know, there's this there's this almost like that is kind of like say. Let's read the Bible five or six more times, and then see where we where we land on it. Because it's sort of like, as of studying those things, you go, oh, well, that kind of makes sense to me. Well, that kind of makes sense to me. Oh, well, I guess. Gee, I guess I'm a, I'm a reformed now. <laughs> it's more, it's kind of how it's kind of how it happened for me. And I think, I think I find myself um, getting along with people like that a lot more than I do with people that are just like, I, I don't think that, that like Calvinism or Lutheranism or Arminianism is a virtue in and of itself. Right. right. And we talked That's about right. this in the very first, I think we talked about this mm-hmm. either in like the first conversation that the three of us had or in the very first episode.
0: Episode, Yeah. I don't remember either.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where we you talked about what is sort of your, um, uh, picture with which mm-hmm. you sort of view things. And, um, yeah, I so I, I think that's that's important to make sure we approach it from you're not coming you're not coming to the Bible through Calvinism, Arminism, right. through Lucianism. You're coming to those things
0: through Scripture. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, all right, so let's tackle the last last half of this chapter. Um, we, let's not cover, uh, I think we kind of, we, we covered it sort of, but, uh, you know, one of the things that N.T. Wright kind of addresses as God as being a bully and the way that he addresses, um, or corrects that mistaken idea is by talking about God as three things as creator, as judge and as lover. And, um, so I just want to put the ball in your guys's court. Uh, that last section for me felt a little hurried. He, he needed to get all the information out there. I don't know if he's going to spend more time on it later. Um, but I wanted to just kind of get your guys' opinions on how those three things, um, how he dealt with those things, God as creator, God as judge, and God as lover, and how that's a corrective to this kind of misconception that God is is a bully.
2: Well, he, I think he spends the, the most time talking about... Um, and maybe it's just that I, the things that stood out to me most were when he was talking about God as the, you know, the love and the um, the love as that sustaining force um, that, that sustains creation and that, mm. that, you know, initially motivated creation and sustains it. Um, and I think that's of the three, that is the mm. one that provides the most obvious correction to the idea of a bully. Because someone who loves you, truly loves you, doesn't bully you, um, mm-hmm. and we have that, um, we have that perspective of okay, yeah, here's a god who is a judge, you know, who's just there to, you know, whatever. He created the world, and he, um, you know, wants us to keep his stuff nice or, mm-hmm. or whatever, um, but. A, a God who, and I, you, you pointed this out a little bit earlier in the conversation, Eric, like the, the sacrificial love of God who, you know, is willing to just be, have himself be humiliated by his creation. You know, dies in the most humiliating way, you know, is, p- attaches his name to a nation that at every single turn in yeah, the people of Israel's it history is it, just like, nah, like we are mm-hmm. not following this even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yet he's still like, no, I'm choosing you. You are the people I've chosen. Why? Because I love you. Because I chose you. Not because you're awesome, not because there's any merit or anything that would be um, appealing to draw me to you of all the nations on the world. But because I've chosen you, I'm going to demonstrate my love to that. And then when you have in the character of Jesus, someone who not only, um, not only is God abstractly um, from a distance choosing humans, but he becomes one
1: mm-hmm. and
2: shares in that suffering and shares in that pain. And I, I think at some point in the chapter, N.T. Wright talks about, like, what does love do when it is faced with, you know, all of this? Um, or, yeah, love, when faced with rejection, overcomes it with yet more love. It's not just like, oh, yep, this is hard, so I guess I'm going to stop loving you. He, he loves until the end. You know, greater love has no one in the city laid on his life for his friends. Um, so that, that to me seems like the most obvious, um, corrective lens to the idea of that, um, just kind of impersonal God as a bully or as a, um, -hmm. you know, kind of that, that caricature. Um, but I think the other two also provide some when understood properly also provide some correction to that idea as well. Mm -hmm. But to, to me, like the God as a lover is so, um, like, you can't really separate those three ideas. And right. I think you're right. Kind of that point. Like the creator God creates out of love. The the God is the judge judges from love. The mm-hmm. so loving God creates and judges. Like those are three right. linked ideas.
0: Right.
2: It's not like we just pick, you know, the God that we identify with most. And then yep, my God is <laughs> the know, God of right. love. Right. Um, right. Yeah, like it's all one unified whole. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so this is probably the part of our conversation where I have to, I have to step back towards the, con- the conversation we had a few podcasts ago, I guess at mm-hmm. this point it would be, um, and I, I probably misstated my thoughts on that because I would agree that I mean, the Bible comes right out and says that God is love. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the first commandment, right, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and, and strength. So I would agree with that. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of glory language that's expressed in, you know, the chief purpose of man is to, is to, um, uh, love God and, and enjoy him forever and to bring, and to glorify him in, in our actions, um, as much as we he, he empowers us to do through his spirit but um i think that ultimately that sort of um, idea of a of a creator a judge and a god of love um, is far different than the bully um, because the bully is really just a destroyer Right. A bully isn't a creator, mm-hmm. um, and a bully really isn't a judge in the sense that they enact or they bring about justice. Right. Um, and, and when you think about, when you think about God, while it may not always feel loving when, when, <laughs> when we are judged, right, when there's justice that's brought about because of our sin, um, It is. It is. I had a youth pastor who always used to say, sometimes loving people is giving them a hug, and sometimes it's kicking them in the pants. (laughs) But I, yeah, that idea of of just a creator, um, not somebody who's destroying. Mm -hmm. um, And that really ties into the idea of good news. Um, God's not destroying the earth you know and and just doing away with everything he's actively trying to restore it and bring it and bring it back
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that doesn't fit the idea of a god that's just you know blasting mountains with lightning bolts
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think you guys are both you know i think you're both identifying kind of the important point that T. R. I was making in the back half was that like Without love, the other two don't make sense. Right? Without without an outpouring of love, it doesn't make sense that God would create anything at all. Um, which is actually, I had a conversation a few years ago um, with some Mormons uh, who came knocking on my door. And uh, Mormonism kind of has a funny, they're not Christians. They kind of have a funny view of the of the Trinity, Of the Trinity Um, they actually believe in a multiplicity of of gods and their particular the God that that created our world from the Mormon point of view uh, was once a man uh, was was Adam and his son is Jesus um, and the Holy Spirit is the mind of God so it's not it's not a Trinity uh, because Jesus was not coexistent with God God is an individual uh, and was a man and having this conversation with these young guys, I just asked them the question, if God is a perfect being, why create anything at all? Like God is a singular individual, perfect being. There would be no need to create anything, right? Why wouldn't God just glory in their own perfectness? Right. Hmm. But if God is a Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit coexisting in love for all eternity, Uh, what happens when um, uh, love wants to multiply itself? You know, that's what we see in marriage is that out of an overflow of love, children are birthed. So, you know, to me, love is kind of the, just as John said, God is love. We, like this, the Father and the Son we're loving each other in the Holy Spirit for all eternity. And they wanted to have more people, more individuals join in that love and partake in that love. And that's why God would create it all. And God is a judge. God is a judge uh, because, you know, humans fell, humans separated um, from him and God and Perfection and imperfection cannot exist in the same space. And so God's solution was to judge, and that judgment came down on Jesus, on his only son. Um, And so now people have the free gift of eternal life. And again, this is from, you know, my my Lutheranism is coloring this particular when we get here. Um, But some people are just going to say no, right? Some people are just going to not want to be part of that they're not gonna want to be part of that new creation Um, and perfection and imperfection cannot exist in the same space Um, so God gives a free gift of eternal life by judging the world and judging Jesus Um, and and at some point people just have to say at some point some people are gonna say no and so um, to me kind of having it flow out of this centrality of God is love. To me, it makes sense. Like the picture the picture that N.T. Wright painted makes sense. Um, because N.T. Wright focused on God's judgment being brought down on Jesus, not on some end times judgment, but it being brought down on Jesus. To me, that makes sense. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I like this last section. I was just like, oh, wow, N.T. Wright really, <laughs> he really went through this fast. Uh, didn't give us a lot of time to process it.
1: Yeah, it said it said this section was called surprised by god but he yeah. spent a lot of time talking about the objections to god and then a very short period of time about the surprising <laughs> part of god For god
0: yeah, yeah yeah maybe maybe he'll expand some more in the next chapter yeah although he didn't leave us with a cliffhanger like he did the the first couple chapters
2: and we're getting i mean we're getting like there's one chapter left See? like he does not have a lot of time to tie up loose ends
0: no he doesn't
2: well i i like that how in the like the last Two chapters like before this one. He basically ended the chapter by saying, I could write a whole other book about this topic, but that's for another here. time. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> stop here. Here's two sentences, on to the next thing. <laughs> like he's he's creating the NT right cinematic universe right yeah, here, yeah. where he is
0: just like. How many Easter all eggs can we ideas. find? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's the cliffhanger, is we're now we're just supposed to be waiting for the next N T right book
0: where for he all the sequels yeah i don't know when this book was written uh oh 2015 i think nt wright's probably written like he is pro he's a prolific writer i yeah. i would not be surprised if he's written 10 books since
1: 2015 i uh i was listening to a guy on his uh, podcast and he was talking about nt wright and he wasn't talking about this book in particular but he said he said the joke and he's a he's a pastor. And it's one of the jokes in, in in writing circles about N. T. Wright is that uh, if anybody tries to go to his office to address a book that he's just published, um, and you go into in you know you're sitting in the lobby waiting to go into N. T. Wright's office and he lets you into the office and you start telling him about your objection to his previous book, he will say, "Well, I've just released two other books while you were in the lobby." <laughs> That addressed exactly what, your objection <laughs> what
0: you're asking. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I was going to say he just released a book. Uh, let me look it up real fast. It's it's about I, he he just released a book about responding to pandemics. Here we go. God and the pandemic: a Christian reflection on the coronavirus and its aftermath. Oh, it's only eighty-seven pages, so it is oh. near what I thought it was. It's it's a it's like a tract basically, um, but. Anyway, no, the dude, he writes a lot. All right, guys. Well, as always, thank you so much for uh, hanging out, for having a good conversation. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank for you. Having and for all those who are listening, thank you guys for joining us again. Um, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Um, and we'll see you next week.